the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is kind of cool. Vivek Ramaswamy just retweeted a big video segment I did. Uh, a big video segment I did. Uh, let me check this out here. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, it, this is just two hours ago. You never know what you're gonna find on the, uh, on the internet here. Vivek Ramaswamy, truth number one, January 6th, now looks more and more like entrapment. I'm so glad he, he noticed this. You know, sometimes you're, you're shooting your mouth off all the time, but it's not just shooting your mouth off. You, you, you believe in what you're saying and you wonder, you wonder sometimes if it's getting through. You know, you wonder, I, I, I know you guys uh, care and you call and that's great. But this stuff about January 6th, we've been fed so many lies about January 6th, and those lies seem to be taking hold. You know, I met some great people over the weekend, friends, dear friends, and they were like, Liz Cheney is right. Donald Trump is an existential threat to America. January 6th, we must do, we must never have another January. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys really, you really fall for that crap? Haven't you been watching my show? <laughs> and they don't, they watch. They watch MSNBC, and they don't listen to much talk radio. And, hey, Diego, I just sent this to you, okay? And, um, wow. Wow. The other thing I need to do here is, uh, uh, and, of course, my, I'm, 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 I'm sending, I got to get, I got to get Vivek on the phone. I've interviewed him a couple of times. I like him a lot. Incredibly smart, articulate. Um, hey, that's about, that's about, what do we think? For some politicians, that's about 60% of the battle, maybe more. I mean, to be good, to be really good, and he's really good. You know, Trump is uh, is amazing, amazing. It's different from Vivek. They're amazing in different ways. And, of course, Trump is my guy. I'm not going to go with Vivek, but I would love to see Vivek in the cabinet, maybe even a VP. We'll see. All right, so this is what Vivek Ramaswamy just put up. It's the very first thing on his Twitter. You go to Vivek, and he's got a hot Twitter right now. Uh, hit it. Bowing protesters onto the steps of Capitol Hill. Have you seen this? No one has explained what this was all about. And this happened all over Capitol Hill that day. You'll see in another portion here, these barricades being removed by police officers. So these People can get inside the Capitol building. And then there were others, Capitol Hill police officers, just standing by. Just welcome to the Capitol. What was all of this about? What was all of this about? Also, and you've seen this by now, the Horns guy and others like him just allowed into the Senate. The police here are willing to work with us and cooperate peacefully, like our First Amendment allows. Gather more Americans under the condition that they will come and gather peacefully to discuss what needs to be done to save our country. You have a memory of anything near like this? No. We just saw protesters walking through Statuary Hall, Claire. I just don't want to interrupt, but we just saw people going right through. There they are. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. 
They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. The- I have given warnings about chemical munitions. I need the left and lethal team positioned above me to start deploying. Launch! 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 Well, uh, I was in the first half of that, and then you heard some other voices, and... Uh, Hey, I'll take it. I love it. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, good for him. Let me see. How many people are on his Twitter thing here? A lot. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what does he got? What does he got? What does he got? Uh, 1.5 million followers. Hmm. 600,000 more than me, but that's okay. Uh, working on it, working on it, working on it. And the other thing we need to talk about is, oh, uh, clear and present danger. Anytime anybody says the phrase clear and present danger, sounds really righteous, sounds really serious. There's a clear and present danger to American democracy. Uh, Liz Cheney is uh, famous for saying that all over the place. Well, um, the problem with that is, do you know what it really means? It means you can break the law. It means you can break the law to stop whatever you think is dangerous. A clear and present danger. It's actually a legal term. It goes all the way back to World War I in the Supreme Court decision. At times, there is a clear and present danger to the country, and you can suspend parts of the Constitution to defeat whatever the clear and present danger is. What what a clear and present danger is Liz Cheney running around calling Donald Trump a clear and present danger because he just might win the election. And I'm kind of concerned, like, what does that mean when Liz Cheney says he can't? He can't be the president. Well, what do you intend to – what if more people vote for him? What if more people vote for Mike Johnson? What are you going to do then? Oh, well, uh, hey, James Slippin just walked in. Welcome, James. Good afternoon, Greg. How's it going? Very good. Uh, I am uh, just consuming some liberal media here. Oh, I see yes. the liberals do not seem to give a damn about all the sexual assault that happened um, on October 6th. I'm sorry, October 7th to those innocent Israeli women and girls and seem to not even care about what's probably still happening, sexual assault. On women and girls, I'm hearing. Oh, we got to worry about the, we got to worry about the bad guys. I'm not worried about the bad guys. I want them destroyed. And you're talking about Hamas, obviously. Yes, of course. Well, I don't want women and children killed, whether they're Palestinian or Israeli. And I think reasonable accommodations will be made and have been made. But in war, there will be collateral damage, even when America goes to war. You know, when the battle of Mosul, Mosul, Iraq, uh, it was a big battle. It had fallen back into, like, you know, insurgent terrorist hands. There were a 1,000 ISIS fighters. So we went in there. We killed the ISIS fighters along with 5,000 civilians. You know, America did that. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you got to do that. You didn't have to do it in Iraq because the whole damn thing was a mess. But there are times I'm like, look, I'm totally for we, – we had to drop the atomic bomb. And a lot of women and children died, but we had to because a lot more would have died had we not. So, all right, that's uh, that's global strategic stuff. What's going on? In, uh, uh, well, I was curious. First of all, are you on Cameo? Is there a Greg Kelly Cameo? I'm, I'm not. I'm okay. not. So, because you saw that George Santos is making Cameo videos now. Uh, For yeah, I did. Two hundred bucks a pop. I did see that. Um. One of them was apparently made at the request of Senator John Fetterman. Do we have the clip? I would like to hear it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's we, on, that's yeah. up on the wire. If, okay, so I think we have it ready. Um, this was the one that was supposedly requested by Fetterman. 
to be sent to Senator Bob Menendez. Oh, because he's picking on Bob Menendez because of all that gold uh, he they found in his uh, sock drawer. Right, there was a report that came out yesterday, but I guess they did link the serial numbers of those gold bars or whatever to the to the Egyptian businessman in question. So there's still some intrigue surrounding those gold bars. Well, that somebody Bob ripped Menendez. them off. Somebody ripped them off. They, they were they were robbed, but then returned. Or something I don't like think that. anybody should be drummed out of the Senate or the House of Representatives unless they are convicted of a crime. I think that's the standard. It's been yeah. around for a long time. Well, that's what they used to do, right? Like the the I think the six people ever that have been kicked out of Congress, it was for bribery or treason stuff like that. All so right. well, we got the George Santos is in business doing uh, cameo appearances, and mm-hmm. uh, this is the one that was custom made at. Fetterman's request. Go ahead. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. So kind of supportive in a way of uh, Senator Menendez, no? I didn't like the tone at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mind George Santos. I mean, I kind of like the guy, but if I got a cameo like that, I'd be like, do it again, but nicer. Well, I don't think they, I don't think Fetterman cares. He doesn't for even, it to be he doesn't nice. even, he doesn't even sound like that. Hey, Bobby. I've talked to George Santos plenty. He doesn't sound like that. I think he's putting on the dog a little bit with the, uh, the villain role there. Well, I don't like it. He's got to do better when it comes to cameo. And, um, whether the joke is, uh, I don't know. I mean, ugh. Uh, one more time. Let me hear it. It sounded really mean and not good. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. Yeah, he said it with real edge. Oh, there's another one. Is this another? Is this to him or somebody else? Here's another one. Hey, Johnny, just wanted to stop by to wish you a happy Hanukkah. Isaac is your great friend. He's the one who's sending you this awesome video. I'm sorry to be gone, and I'm sorry that I won't be able to continue to represent you guys. Love you guys. Wish you the best this coming year, and enjoy the festivities with family. And just, you know, till we meet again. Bye. That sounded a little bit better, a little bit slightly more sincere. And we have one more cameo. Hey, James and Sophia, congratulations on your engagement. Oh, stop. It's annoying. Also- I don't want to hear it. All right, good. <laughs> so how does cameo work? So basically, because I, I, I actually ordered one of these before, there's uh, many players on there with the New York Mets. And one of my cousins was going through chemo, big Mets fan. So we all kind of came together as cousins and got this message from one of the Mets players to say, hey, here you're feeling not feeling so well. You're going through these treatments. You know we're we're thinking of you. That L- kind of. Let thing. me guess. The, the the player for the Mets probably didn't even have his uniform on. He did actually. Oh, he did. Yeah, it was kind of cool. He took it from on the field at Dodger Stadium. They, they were playing the Dodgers at the time. Uh, it was Jeff McNeil, by the way. I'll just give him a shout out. I, that, I take I know it you back. don't know who that is. Uh, I don't actually. What position does he play? Yeah, he's an infielder, outfielder. You know, infielder, outfielder. Okay, you don't know either. No, he plays. He plays multiple positions. Third right. base, second. Well, I'm, I'm impressed, and I'm, I'm glad that, he, that that's a nice touch that he wore his uniform. Really, yeah. that's that's really cool. And but I'm in glad. essence, you know, it's always musicians, actors, whatever. They send a little personalized message. And Jason Scoop, everybody, our favorite Jason Scoop. Uh, Jason Scoop is a great impersonator of Trump. 
And man, oh man, oh man, is he good. Uh, he does, uh, I'm going to get you this in a little bit. As I, as I tee this up, anything going on news-wise? Uh, they had a congestion pricing rally today at Union Square where they're kind of like, you know, promoting congestion pricing. Governor Hochul was there. She seemed to indicate that she thinks it's going to save New York congestion pricing. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a There's a rally promoting in support? Yes. What kind of rally was that? A bunch of, uh, the Riders s- Alliance, you know, the state workers? Mostly, I think it was like MTA employees, elected officials, and members of the Riders Alliance, which is like a you know mass transit advocacy. Wait a second, is this thing really happening? I mean, at this point, yeah. I mean, look, the the, the legislature is totally controlled by the Democratic Party, right? They're very into this congestion pricing <laughs> thing because it's like an anti climate change. Right, can you do me a favor and find out? Because maybe I have to run for assembly. Seriously. Um. And I talked to my good friend, Rick Santorum, and if you want to change the Constitution, probably the best way to do it is through the states. State assemblies can do things that Congress can also do, but it's harder for Congress. And that's something I might do. It would be a pain in the neck. I don't want to go to Albany. I don't like Albany. I don't – I just – but – oh, man, maybe I should. Yeah, well, I mean – there's certainly uh, there's obviously litigation pending litigation. There's How lawsuits. much work would I have to do to be a state assembly yeah. person? Yeah. Well, how much? How much? How many? How many days would I have to be there? Actually, in Albany. Yeah. That I have to get back to on. What does it pay? I'm gonna have to get back to on. Show that as well. me the money. I do as know Eric that Santos' say. salary was one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars a year. I saw that today. Well, um, I wonder what it is now. He's, uh, <laughs> cameo. Oh, here. Let's as we go to break. I would like to. Uh, uh, promote my friend's cameo, Jason Scoop. However, cameo works, you should do it, and you'll get a call like this. It's really good. Go ahead. Well, look, folks. I just want to take a moment to wish you a very merry Christmas, and frankly, it's going to be very merry. Okay, believe me. But uh, you know, your brother-in-law he reached out and he reached out very strongly, very strongly, and he said, "Mr. Trump, Mr. President, could you wish my brother-in-law a merry Christmas?" And I said, "You know what?" yourself a deal, right? I wrote Art of the Deal, biggest selling business book, frankly, of all time. I'm sure you've read it. Believe me. I know why you got this great deal from me. Okay, believe me. But you're a great guy, so Merry Christmas. And, you know, I brought back Merry Christmas. You remember under Barack Hussein Obama, there was no Merry Christmas. It was illegal. But I brought it back, and now you're hearing it in numbers, which really it's never been said before over the 2,000 years of Christmas. So I'll take credit for that. Believe me. But uh, we All right. It's great stuff. And actually, do me a favor. Mark that point right there because we're going to pick up because he goes into Abe Lincoln and celebrities and the Italians, the Italian community. He has something to say about Italians, Italians. And it's really great. James Slippin, thank you. Be right back. Thank you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I just saw Benjamin Netanyahu on TV uh, giving a briefing about the war. It didn't seem to be too much detail, kind of like a 
you know, uh, a morale-boosting type speech. But, look, I don't speak Hebrew, and the uh, translation was rough. But I'll tell you this, he looked great. He looked strong. You know, somebody who knows him pretty well uh, told me that he uh, he actually, you know, he doesn't like chaos. He doesn't like it. But when it happens, he thrives. And I've seen people like that before. They're just built for trouble. I, I knew guys like this in the Marine Corps. They were terrible, terrible <laughs> in what we called in garrison. You know what I mean? When all you had to do was, like, clean your weapons and shine your boots and go for a run. And, you know, like, there are a lot of, you know, semi-mindless things you have to do in the military. But when it got right down to a mission, to actually doing something, right, to actually, you know, uh, taking care of the enemy, they were great. It was like you know, a break in case of war, break glass in case of war, those kinds of guys. And Benjamin Netanyahu seems to be doing great. All right, can we wrap up this cameo? It's it, He's about to lay into the Italians in a very respectful way, but a very funny way as well. Uh, keep going with Jason Scoop. If you want a cameo, I think you go to cameo.com and look for Jason Scoop. Uh, a hilarious guy, and he, he portrays Trump as, uh, I just think he nails it in a good way. Keep going. You like what I say? I love me, right? I love me, and I met me. I went down to Mar-a-Lago, and I met myself, and we did it very strongly and very bigly. Just like how your brother reached out to me and got you this great gift, right? That's love, because I can't think of a better gift than a personal message from everyone's favorite president, Donald Trump. And we did some great things at Mar-a-Lago. You see, we shook Larry Elder's hand, a great African American. Great guy, terrific guy. He endorsed me. I'm getting all the endorsements from all the African Americans. You look how many I freed. You look Abe Lincoln, he freed the African Americans. But you look, I freed Kodak Black, ASAP Rocky, Little Wade, right? We call him Little Wade, Little Tiny Wade. We freed him so strongly and, you know. Say what you want about Lincoln. He never freed any big celebrities, okay, like me. So a lot of people are saying that I've done even more for the African-Americans than Lincoln. All right, all right, all right. We'll pick it up with the Italians later. Is that that offensive? I find it funny. I mean, look, he's just uh, he's very comfortable with race, too, Trump. He is. He is. And guess what? Have you looked at the polls? More and more black people are getting really, really comfortable with Trump. These numbers are terrifying, terrifying Democrats. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anybody see that commercial for Otesla? Does that ring a bell? Take Otesla for your psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. Psoriasis is the flaking of the skin, isn't it? Right? What is psoriatic arthritis? Anyway, this commercial, you've probably seen it a million times. I had to look it up. Okay, what the hell is Otesla? I've seen the commercial a million times. Anyway, some guy shows up at a movie theater, and he's looking for his date. He looks at his thing, you know, like the, the dating app, right? And some girl comes up to him, very nice, Ned. And she's like, yeah, oh, yeah, and they go in, and I don't know. Then they show everybody in the audience, and they take a slow-mo of everybody in the audience. They're talking about how great this medication is, and then the movie's over, and then they leave, and they say goodbye to each other. They give each other a hug, and then they walk off. A couple of things that really bother me about this commercial. Number one, Ned, the guy, doesn't dress up. He's wearing an untucked shirt. He looks like he's scraggly. He looks like he just looks, and she is wearing a skirt. The young woman is wearing a skirt and, you know, they meet for the first time and she kind of 
not not flirtatiously, but you know, with a little with a little bit of affection, touches his arm like "Good to meet you." More than a more than a handshake. And this geek goes in there with uh, that nice girl, and they sit down and they watch the movie. And then at the end of the movie, they come out and they say like goodbye and they hug, and then they go their separate ways. Ned, I could tell this girl is a little bit into you, yet you just walk off. You just walk off at the end of the movie. Is that what millenn- I hear that's what millennials do. Millennials and Generation Y or X or whatever, they just kind of, you know, they don't want to spend any money on a date. They they really just want to cut to the chase. And no one's taking anybody out for a dinner. They go out for drinks. And you know what is even worse when they go out for drinks? What do the guys order? Water. They Because they're going on five dates a night, some of these guys. And then they find the one they want to hook up with, and then they might ply her with drinks. Classy. Uh, I don't like that. And more and more I'm hearing that the guys are, well, we'll split it. And since I had water, I had nothing. I'm not saying you should get a cocktail. Get a soda. Get a Virgin Mary. Get a get something. Get something that has some color in it so you're actually, you can't just get water. Get a club soda. They'll charge you for a cocktail. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen the Otesla? Does anybody know what Jardian is? There are all these uh, pharmaceutical commercials. I'm sure they. They're, I'm not doubting that they're effective. I'm sure they are effective, and they know. You know, they know their audience. I'm not. Fortunately, I don't need any uh, Otesla right now. Uh, let's see. The other thing is we need to talk about. Well, very briefly, Mika Brzezinski uh, is on that Morning Joe show, and all day long today and yesterday. All they're doing is bitching and moaning about Trump and what an existential threat he is and what an existential threat his supporters are. Me, you and me. You're right. We're a threat to the Constitution. We're undermining democracy. Oh, and that brings me back to Joe. Joe from Mount Sinai said, Greg, this is a democracy. And whatever the people want, we get. And I'm like, easy there, Joe. It's actually a constitutional republic. It's not a full-fledged democracy. Doesn't mean that uh, whatever the majority votes for, they get. Um, Barbara actually kind of uh, has a great little little uh, way to put that. Barbara is back from Huntington. Hello. What? How do you put that again? Hi, hi. Yes, a pure democracy is four animals voting as to what they will have for dinner. Three wolves and a sheep, and the majority wins. Yeah. So they would all eat the sheep, and uh, we don't we don't want that. And Joe. Yeah, I don't like the majority. The majority can be crazy. That's why we have uh, the Constitution and we have a framework and it's within that. And um, anyway, and, and I find it very strange and unsettling when they keep talking about democracy, democracy, undermining our democracy, because a lot of people think it's like what Jotha says. Majority rules. It ain't that way. Anyway, Barbara, uh, what's on your mind? I read today an excellent article in the, in independentsentinel.com that explained to me better than anything I've seen and it made to your listeners too about the source and the cause of all this anti-Semitism that is so virulent in our universities. And the article is about a letter that was written by a graduate of Harvard to the president of Harvard who, by the way, testified today in front of Congress about the anti-Semitism on the campus. But he wrote this letter saying that he's very concerned about anti-Semitism, about lack of freedom of speech, and about how diversity, equity, and inclusion is affecting Harvard. And he wrote this letter also telling the president, which her name is um, 
Claudine, Claudine Gay, uh, telling the president that he had contacted many members of senior faculty to get their feedback, and they gave him feedback, providing it would be anonymous. And when you read, it's a long article, but it is so good. When you read what he asked these faculty members and what they say about, number one, if you're a white, straight male, there's no chance of you being hired at Harvard. They know you have to be at least a woman and preferably a minority and preferably one of the minorities that Harvard defines as being a victim in order to be considered. Right. So the who, who wrote who wrote this letter and where do I find it? Okay, you would find it on independentsentinel.com, and it was written by a man, Bill Ackman, who is a billionaire. Oh, yeah, Bill Ackman. He's a big deal. He is a big deal, and his uh, his uh, frustration with Harvard is well known. I'm glad he wrote it down, and I'm glad uh, the Independent Sentinel has it easy access. But, yeah, that guy is mad, especially I believe Bill Ackman is Jewish, and he is infuriated, as I am, uh, about the anti-Semitism that has been flourishing at Harvard and beyond. Barbara, you are the best. We thank you so, so much, okay? And uh, people ask about you all the time. I appreciate it, Barbara. Hey, um, so the Home Depot, great company, started by Ken Langone. Get this. Um, This is an internal memo I have here. It's actually to the suppliers of Home Depot. They got to get that stuff from somewhere. There's no Home Depot factory. Well, there's a small Home Depot factory, but a lot of that stuff comes from, you know, other vendors. And uh, it goes like this. Uh, supplier diversity tier two spend reporting. Diversity tier two. What the hell is that? Hello, valued partner. You are receiving this communication, but you, because you are, you currently have access to the supplier diversity registration tool and or you are a partner guardian. THD launched the Tier 2 spend report processing. Since 2020, uh, THD has spent more than $3 billion per year with diverse suppliers. Our goal is to reach $5 billion in Tier 1 and 2, spend with our diverse suppliers by 2025. You are an integral part of this uh, success, and we need your support to reach this goal. Do you give a Damn, who the hell, what the hell, the person uh, who comes up with your kitchen ceramic tile, the person who created your kitchen ceramic tile, do you care what they look like? Do you care about their gender? I just want somebody who makes kitchen ceramic tile that puts it in the box with care, especially sandalwood, and make sure it's not broken when it gets to me. That happened once. As a reminder, diverse, this is, this is Home Depot. Ken Langone started this. He's not running it anymore. I gotta call him about this. I think he'd be furious. As a reminder, diverse owned companies must be U.S. based and at least 51% or more owned, controlled, and operated by either women, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ individuals, veterans, or individuals with a disability who are U.S. citizens or a person with a U.S. permanent resident alien status. Your help will support us in reaching our $5 billion spend goal with diverse suppliers by 2025. This is, uh, wow, in a Home Depot. It's not exactly uh, Amazon, right? I mean, it's a pretty mainstream company. And it's not known for being woke. Who qualifies? All that stuff you got to be. 
And you know what? I I will tell you this. Did you hear the line there about veterans? Like somehow we're this beleaguered group. I hate that. That has taken off. That is like a thing now. And, yeah, there are disabled veterans, and uh, there are programs and this and that. This doesn't even say disabled. It just says veterans. Veterans. Veteran-owned. I I don't think veterans, quite frankly, I mean, uh, look, I'm a veteran, and they've gotten a little bit carried away, a little bit carried away with this uh, support the troops. I support the troops, but it's going a little bit too far, especially now all those handouts, now they see us. They see us as a... uh, as a distressed minority, quite frankly, <laughs> women, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ individuals, veterans, or individuals with a disability, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there's a picture of who do we have here? Let me take a look at who's there. They're all wearing those orange aprons that they wear at the uh, Home Depot. One black guy, one white woman. One Hispanic man, one woman of color, but I can't tell what the heck she is, and another black man. Diversity, equity, inclusion. Diversity is our strength, by the way. What the hell does that mean? What does it mean? It means nothing. It's stupid. It's, it's, you're assuming that people who are of color or of white have certain characteristics, which I believe is the essence of racism, I think. And there are certain, I don't like it. I don't like it. And that brings me back to our friend who tweeted me today. Um, uh, what's his name again? Oh, yeah, Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy has this great clip. This is what. This is how I found the stuff about me by accident. Ramaswamy found something that Joe Biden said a few years ago. And Joe, you know, because he's on top, and he was on top at the time, he was a vice president, he had his. He doesn't care what happens next to this country. And he has all the status and all the money he, he needs and wants, right? But what about for the rest of us who are still making our way in the world? Well, screw you, especially if you're white, especially if you happen to be a white male. It is such a disgusting way to look at the world. Can you imagine sitting around and having a grudge or thinking that a black woman doesn't deserve an opportunity because she's a black woman? It's just as offensive, just as wrong when you have unfair standards or unreasonable standards like, or you rule out a white man from anything. And now, I mean, gosh. All right, so we're queuing that thing up. And as we wait for it, I will go to my friend Adam, who still says he's from Mineola, even though he's from the predominantly black Hempstead. Now, Adam, why do you keep on doing that? Well, I know who you are, well, and I know where you live. And okay. I mean, every you call the school, you I mean, what? What's up? Uh, what, what? Why are you doing that? It's dishonest and weird. Well, I live in Nassau County. If you want to so, say Nassau no. County, say Nassau County. You keep saying Mineola, and you don't live there. I used to live there. Oh. But anyway. Oh. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Oh, well. No, not anyway. Don't give me the brush off with this. It's weird. I used to to live in Baldwin. I don't say, uh, this is Greg from Baldwin. That would be misleading and weird. And Joe Biden-like. Then again, you're a Democrat. 
You guys always have weirdo agendas as far as I'm concerned. I, I wish Comer would go ahead and give uh, Hunter the, the open hearing instead of acting like he got something on him but scared to let him get open with an open hearing. No, you're wrong, Adam. You're wrong. As usual, man, you have been on a losing streak lately, a losing streak. You don't let him have an open forum. You know why? Because, yeah, the Republican, first of all, it's all about him. He gets to read his opening statement, and then five minutes of Republicans, five minutes of Democrats, five minutes of Republicans, five minutes of Democrats. You know, I recently had to, um, not recently, actually, it was several years ago. I've done a couple of depositions in my life. It ain't fun. And you know how many questions my lawyer got to ask me? Zero. (laughs) It was all about the guy. It was all about our adversary. One question after the next for eight hours as they established uh, what they thought were facts, or they were facts because I was giving them my, my factual answers. That's how it goes. And then after the deposition, you can have your public hearing like you can have a trial, right? Trial is public. A deposition is not because you, you have to figure out what to ask in public. So, Adam, you're being played on this one again. Hunter Biden and Abby Lowell, who could care less about you, who probably look down upon you, I'm guessing. They look down upon me. I, I, I'm guessing they probably look down upon you, too. I don't know. I'm from Nassau County as well. You're falling for this crap, and you don't know what you're falling for. I wish I appreciate you listening to the show, but you got to listen with an open mind and really listen to what I'm telling you, because I'm not wrong. And there are Democrats who disagree with me, and they are right on the facts, and that's fine. But you're wrong about this, man. You are wrong. Right. You are wrong. No, I said right, 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 right. You don't believe it. You actually, saying, think, you, know, you actually think that that was a legitimate offer. I'll come in and testify publicly. Just turn the cameras on. Let me read my statement. Who wouldn't want to do that? I would love to testify publicly before the January 6th committee or anybody else who's suing me, and I can make mincemeat out of them. But when it's a deposition and it's closed doors and, you know, it's only Jim Jordan asking the questions for 10 hours, what's-his-name doesn't want to go through that because what's-his-name will be under oath and he won't be able to lie and uh, he won't also be able to spin and he won't be able to play for the cameras. So no one's ducking anything. It's it's Hunter who's ducking it, all right? And I can't stand I – I still can't figure out why you're standing up for that deadbeat. And he is literally a deadbeat, and that goes for his old man as well. Adam, I'm sorry I did all the talking during your phone call, um, but anyway, next time it'll be yours. I'll be. Oh, wait a second, Adam. Oh, we gotta finish. We gotta finish the Jason Scoop cameo, which is one of the best cameos slash Trump impressions. As I look at that that twerp Ned in the Otesla commercial again, not being a gentleman to that lovely girl, Otesla. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, does anybody watch the Channel 5 10 o'clock news anymore? Uh, my lifestyle has changed, so I don't watch it. I actually used to work on that show, uh, anchored it for uh, not too long, actually. I didn't like it. The hours were terrible, and I, I didn't like the format all that much. But uh, they got two really good anchors there. Some of the reporters need work. Yikes. Uh, they got Lacey, Steve Lacey. He's good. Very good, actually. Um, and not getting any older. He looks uh, just keeps getting younger. 
sharp looking guy, good guy, smart. And then there's Natasha Verma. Is that her name? Uh, yeah, Natasha Verma. Have you heard of her? I saw her on a bus once. I mean, literally, like on the side of the bus. And uh, I Google incessantly while I'm watching TV. It turns out this Natasha Verma graduated from high school when she was like 10 and graduated from college when she was like 14 or something like that. And then she goes to graduate school at Columbia and finishes when she's like 16. I'm getting the years off, but she was like incredibly precocious and then had a lot of big jobs in TV. And now she's anchoring that 10 o'clock news. And I think she's not yet 30 years old. Very impressive. Does a good job. Although, um, Natasha, I think you should not spend all that much time reading the news at Channel 5. You gotta, uh, you gotta get to the network or you gotta go out and do even more reporting at the network level. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I think you, uh, you know how to do that. Now it's time to, uh, move on. But hey, who the hell am I to give career advice to anybody? And there's a million ways to live your life, obviously. But still, I was impressed. It was a sleek broadcast and they do a very good job. Uh, nothing like my Rosanna though in the morning. Now she, ooh. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Tom, hello. Oh, hello, Greg. Quickly. Hi, Greg. Yeah, quickly, I'm thinking that uh, no matter what we do in the election, the vote's going to be skewed against us. I think it's, a, you know, the shenanigans are in play. And the only way I see an effective way to take over the country, fundamentally change it back, is to uh, start an investment club, have tens of millions of people investing into it to buy a controlling interest in a corporation and then only do business with that corporation. Because uh, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street use their overwhelming wealth to force corporations into, you know, these societal changes. And in my opinion, it's corporations that rule and they pull the strings on the politicians. So, you know, you know, of course, vote and all that, but, you yeah. know, look beyond the vote. You know, at first I'm like, this sounds totally crazy, but it doesn't sound crazy at all. And you're right about BlackRock trying to dictate the way we live. Uh, maybe we should start a mega corporation. I don't, Tom, get on that and uh, tell me when and where to invest. No, no, the, no, not uh, me. You, you. That's all. Uh, you know what? You see, right. You don't want to do it. It's your idea. You think I'm going to break my ass uh, executing your idea? That's oh, the thing. No, all right. No, it's no. all about execution, pal. And my hands are full right now. They're just full. I can't do it. I also don't know how to do it. I don't know that stuff. You came up with the idea. Make it happen. Nate in the Bronx. Hello. Yeah, very quickly. For information on uh, basically how the Trump uh, investigations are eroding our civil rights and civil liberties. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The uh, Trump investigations. You mean the Trump's investigations, the investigations into Trump, right? That's correct. All right, Nate, I'm sorry. We're out of time. There's the music. I shall. Well, call me back tomorrow.